I've got this little piece of paper here to introduce the speaker of the hour. But the size of the paper is no indication on how big a man of God he is. This is Peter Heron, pastor at Grace Baptist Fellowship here in Modesto. Longtime friend of our pastor, Larry. Um, in fact, he was the minister of music uh, when Larry was pastor at Grace Baptist. Uh, Larry had to resign to go to take care of his mom. And uh, Pastor Heron took over the responsibility of being the pastor at, at Grace. In fact, he was the best man at, at Pastor Larry and Tessa's uh, wedding. Now, his wife, Suzanne, isn't here today. She's under the weather, so keep her in your prayers. But they are involved and currently working as marriage and family therapists. So keep his name in your minds if you got any family or marriage problems. He can help, he and his wife. So without any further ado, let us welcome Pastor Peter Heron, pastor of Grace Baptist Fellowship. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Only one little correction. I'm no longer the pastor over there at Grace Baptist Fellowship, but what an honor it was to serve and to be with Pastor Larry. You know, the Bible says, give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. So this morning, I just want to give glory to my God and Savior, Jesus Christ. On Sunday mornings, I usually read Psalms. It's my own little Bible devotion. I read through the Bible every year and things like that like we all should be reading in the word staying in the word but psalms on sundays is always what i um have a little jingle for or whatever and this morning and i thought my goodness how appropriate so i just want to kind of stir us up this morning i want to read it to you just the first couple verses of psalms um, 34 psalms 34 says i will bless the lord at all times his praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. And then it says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. So would you just magnify the Lord with me this morning? That's why we're here, right? Don't we want more of God? I mean, that kind of sounds like a funny term, magnifying. We've got to get a magnifying glass and, 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 and make him bigger or something. <laughs> Not really. He becomes big when we read his word, you know. So Pastor Larry and I, we go back quite a ways, as, as Greg had mentioned and everything. And somebody asked me, oh, by the way, I was the best man at his wedding. But guess what? He's the guy that married me and my lovely wife, Suzanne. So he... Him and I were bachelors way back in the day, and we were both praying for wives, and mine came first. But, but I guess he was, his wife was still being in the mix and working, and God was working out all the details. But somebody asked me, well, how do you know Pastor Larry? And I 
just hearing them this morning, I just remembered. I said, you know, I was a bachelor. I was new in town. I just got a new job here in Modesto. Somebody handed me a little card with Grace Baptist Fellowship, and they said, if you come to this Bible study, we'll feed you. Oh, man, food is my favorite hobby. And then free food? Wow. But anyways, Pastor Larry and I met, and it's interesting. We both had master's degrees. We, we hit it off right away. His master's degree was in theology. He was a pastor. And my master's degree was in counseling, and I was a therapist. And I'm wanting to be a pastor, and he's wanting to be a therapist, you know. So, so it kind of was a really good blend. But I just want to share with you just for a second. I got radically saved 32 years ago. I'm not going to get into the details. 32 years ago, I was running like a loose dog on a chain, and I ran out of leash. I feel like the, the swine in, in the book of Luke when the demon-possessed man jumped. They jumped into the swine, and they ran to the cliff and jumped off. It feels like I got right to the cliff, and I ran out of leash, and boom! That was 32 years ago. God got a hold of me. He changed my life. He can do it to you too. I was a sinner lost, heading fast and hard for hell. And God got a hold of me and I knew it was over. I didn't know it was over. And that was good. It was a good thing. Um, you know, Proverbs 22, verse 6. My mother never got to see it. And I encourage you mothers and fathers, but train up a child and the way shall go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. When I ran out of that leash and chain and I looked up, all I saw was God. And I remember, man, my mom's prayers are answered. Too bad she didn't get to see my... But I'm going to see her in heaven. Matter of fact, we're going to be talking about heaven. I've been thinking about heaven. You know, when you get saved and you get the word of God in you, you just get stirred up and you just want to search out matters and everything. And I've been, like I said, I've been saved for 32 years. And, and I've you know, looked at a lot of doctrines and what do you do for baptisms and all kind of stuff. But I got to thinking about heaven, you know, and I'm like, hmm. You know, heaven is kind of like the hereafter. How many believe in the hereafter? You know why I believe in the hereafter? Because every time I go through that kitchen door to the garage door, I'll go, now what am I hereafter? <laughs> but heaven is all about the hereafter. How many people in here are going to go to heaven? That believe they're going to heaven? Oh, I love it. I look at all them hands. Do you know anything about it, though? Ugh. That is one of the most important places we're going to spend the rest of eternity. And we don't know more about it, I think. And I'm not, I'm not judging you or anything. But, well, heaven's up there, the streets of gold. We're going to sit on the street corner, play a harp. You're right about being up there. As Greg mentioned, I, I'm, a, I'm a therapist, and I was working with a child, a young man. He's an adopted boy, 11 years old. And the other day, I thought, ah, let me just prepare for this message. Let me just get what a little kid thinks about heaven. You know, picking my brains, trying to get my message all together. And I said, do you believe in heaven? And we're walking down the street, doing a little play therapy. And he said, yeah. And I said, where is it? He goes, it's up there. And I go, who's up there? And he goes, God and Jesus. And I said, well, how do you get there? He goes, you got to die. Simple as that. Out of the mouth of babes, 11-year-old. But you got to die to self. He was almost right. Jesus already died for our sins so that we can go to heaven. But I want to, as I searched the scriptures and just heard this message because I thought, wow, what do I know about heaven? I mean, 
there's no brochures. My wife and I do a lot of traveling, and a lot of times before we travel, we get out the brochure, go to the website. There's no website for heaven. We just say that we're going there, and people say it's up there. Really? You're just going to trust things like that, and you're just going to go when you die like that? I mean, I, I'm just trying to stir up our spiritual thinking caps. Where is heaven? Am I really ready for heaven? How am I going to get there? You know, in the book of Luke, where, where it talks about Lazarus and, um, and, and a rich man dying, the Bible says that when Lazarus died, the angel took him to Abraham's book. He had an escort. And so from that passage, you know, it kind of, maybe that's how we get there because we're going to look at this morning, heaven of heavens, where God really is and where grandma is and where we really plan on going for eternity. It's quite a ways away from here. You can't just hitchhike there. You can't catch a United flight there overnight. It, it's, it's quite a way. And to be honest with you, I'm directionally challenged. I get lost so easy. And she's not here, so I can't throw her under the bus. But when I got married, I thought, all right, somebody that can help me find directions. Oh, I, I won't even get into it. We're both directionally challenged. But anyway, how are you going to get to heaven? I guess we just die and trust things that go there. And where is it going to be? And what's it going to look like? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, most people say, yeah, and God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and just... Well, who is that saying, well done? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ himself? And is, am I going to look into his face? And like, and a lot of people say, well, when I get there, I'm going to ask him this and that. And I think you're, you're going to heaven. You get to heaven, you're going to. I don't know. But heaven is mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. Over 500 times in the Bible. So it must be important. And this morning, we're going to look at all 500 references. Just kidding. I was just seeing if you're awake. So where do you say heaven is? Most people say it's up. You probably point. But if we went out and got a telescope, can we really zoom in? Even if we had Hubble telescope, we don't really see it. But do you realize that when Jesus came to this earth, John chapter 3, verse 13, says it this way, and does that sound familiar? John chapter 3, verse 13. Wow, that's just right before John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, 16. Huh? We celebrate that this time of year. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in a little manger. Huh? Right before that, the Bible says, three verses up, the son of man has come down. From heaven. That's what the Bible says. So when you're doing messages and studying and studying on topics like this, you're trying to find out the location of heaven. And well, the Bible says this is Holy Spirit filled Bible, the anointing of God. It's inspired his word, his breath have written that Bible. Man has, the son of man has come down from heaven. And to support this, oh, there's tons and tons, but Remember after his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus returned to heaven the same way that he came. If you know your Bibles, um, 
in the book of Acts, and I'll, I'll just read it to you. And in the book of Acts, chapter 1, do you remember Jesus was standing there with his disciples, and they're just hanging out with him, his resurrected body, and he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he said that he was going to send the spirit of truth. That was in verse 8, Acts 1, 8. Then let me just read two short verses from Acts, the next verse, chapter 9 through 11. Now, when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, oh my gosh, I said that we were going to look at 500 references, already we've looked at three, so we only got 497 more to go, huh? Wow, this could go quick, anybody working the night shift and got to leave? But toward heaven as he went up, and behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, <clears throat> hello, angels angels in case you don't know two men in white apparel stood beside him who said men of galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven any note takers in here fact checkers any fact checkers please please you can read you can read along with me you can point out if i misquote a scripture or something i am teachable iron sharpens iron but why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, there they say it again, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So the last time they saw Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection, he was standing there, says, when you receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And boom, there he goes up in the clouds. And they said, why are you standing, staring up? up into heaven. Wow. Well, guess what? Jesus went to prepare a place for me and you. He went to prepare a place for you. He said in, in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, as you know, in verses 1, it says that um, you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. Then in verse 2 of John chapter 14, Jesus is telling his disciples, in my Father's house. Now, where's the Father? Where, where, where's God the Father? God dwells in heaven, the Bible says. In the Father's house. God dwelling is in heaven. The earth is his footstool. So Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You know, I'm no Greek scholar. Leave that up to Pastor Larry. But I got books that have helped me cheat. And that word place, I go to prepare a place for you. In the Greek, it's pronounced topos, but it really means it's a physical location. Jesus says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Not a spiritual place. You know, oh, somewhere in heaven. He's going to go and prepare a place for you, a real physical place. And then to support that, he says, and that where I am, there you may be also. That where another 
It's a residing location. It's a place. So where is this heaven? I know you're sitting here and wanting to know the answer. When is this guy going to tell us where is heaven? Well, there's the eternal heaven of heavens. Did you understand that there's three heavens? I don't want to get myself in trouble. The Bible talks about the third heaven. The Bible talks about there being a first heaven. Well, they don't even really call it the first heaven, but I'm just going to tell you real quickly about those heavens. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, Then God said, Let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures and let birds, pay attention, let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Okay, there's one heaven where the birds fly and airplanes fly, bats fly around. Wow. Actually, I want to just have us look at Genesis 1.1. You know the verse, but I think it's very important to kind of set the stage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Many times as I've read my Bible, I think I've missed it. Mm. Isn't it amazing? You read your Bible, you read your Bible and say, who put this in here? I never saw this before. In the beginning, God created the heavens, plural. He created that area where the birds can fly around. And then it on up, it says that he created the sun and the moon to give light for the day, the moon for the light of night. And he made the stars also. That's the second heaven. It's kind of like layered. And I don't want to try to put physical meaning on spiritual yet physical. I'm telling you, heaven is a physical place. And it's really kind of only God. Only God can do this. So we know the first heaven, birds fly around and airplanes fly the second heaven, this is what blows me away. It's where the moon, the sun is, what, 93 million miles away, and the moon is 248,000 miles away. And there, But then, do you know that the closest star, does anybody have a guess how close the closest star is? When you look up at night and you see those beautiful stars, do you know how close the closest star is? I'll give you a little hint. It's four point two light years away my head wants to blow explode of course the sun is really the closest star if we want to call it a star god gives it to us we need all the energy that comes off of it and all that kind of stuff but the closest star it's called um androgynous something ah, i forget what the name of it is but it's the closest star do you know how close 4.2 light years is away? Only way I can make sense of, if I sat on a flashlight, I sat on a flashlight, poo, and turned, turned it on, and I flew at the speed of light for 4.2 years, I could finally touch that closest star. Whew. Ain't God amazing? You know, and in the book of Isaiah, in the chapter 40, verse 26, he says, to us. He says, lift up your eyes on high. See who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He 
brings out the stars by number. He's called them by number. He knows the exact number. And are you ready for this? The Bible says here in Isaiah 40, 26, he calls them all by name. How many stars? I'm sorry. My, My calculator don't work. My head wants to blow. I've recently heard there's billions of galaxies, and inside the billions of galaxies are, are billions of... Uh, uh, so God created this beautiful planet. Agreed? Don't look at the people on it. It's a beautiful planet. It's beautiful heavens. I love going to the ocean and watching a beautiful sunset. I love quoting scripture to God as I'm on my morning walk. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. And I talk back to God with his verses and say, God, you painted this for me. And I love it in the Psalms 8 when David says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. And I look at that moon, and the moon stays right there. The Bible says that God ordained the moon. <laughs> the moon is obedient to him. He says, moon, this is what I want you to do. I don't you want you to. And how long has the earth been around? Wow. I believe around, I'm a young earth theorist, but we won't get into that, but I think about 6,000 years, somewhere along that line. But that moon is still there doing the same thing. The same moon that we look at, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they looked at it. The heavens declare the glory of God. So it's a beautiful heaven. It's a beautiful earth. And then I come to Revelation as I read through my Bible, Revelation 21, and it says it like this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Hmm. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And when I read that, I'm like, Oh, I remember when they told me my mother, your mother has passed away. And I'm reading this, I'm thinking about the beautiful heavens, the beautiful earth, and the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. What's happened, God? And then it says that there will be no more sea in Revelation 21. And I say, what? Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't know why you would wipe this out, but then he reminds me. Because of us, because of mankind, we haven't been listening to what he's been telling us. God is going to bring this old earth to its end and the heavens as well. His judgment is coming, my friends. We've got to be saved. We need the Lord Jesus, huh? Even Jesus, I was reading in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discord, and Jesus even confirms it. He says, heaven and earth will Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word by no means will pass away. So everything written in this book, it's not going to pass away. But this old heaven and this earth is going to pass away. We're living in the last days, my friends. Read your Bibles. God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And man, look what he did back in Genesis chapter 6. He brought on a flood. How many people were on the earth back then? God meant what he said. He said, if you don't keep listening to my commandments, I'm going to wipe you all out. He had Noah build an ark. Only eight souls were saved. He wiped out an entire 
world population. God is serious. And we're living in what the Bible calls the last days where it says lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Wow. Do we see that lawlessness abounding? Oh, my. That's why I pray, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I guess when that will, when that prayer is going to be answered, it's going to be in the new earth. You know, the Lord did a lot of calculation to make this old heaven and this earth. Have you ever read scriptures like Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12? Think about this. This is how God created this stuff. Who has measured the waters? Talking about the oceans and the rivers and the lakes and all. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and measured heaven? I just told you how many stars, yeah, are out there. The universe. The last I heard, the Hubble telescope can go 12 billion light years out, and we still don't know it. He measured it with a span. That's how they used to measure in the Old Testament. A span, they'd find out how tall a horse is or something like that. Pastor Larry could tell you better. Something. But God, with his hand, he measured the heaven. Oh, there's another reference to heaven. So we're down to 491 more references, I think. Who has measured the hollow and water in his hand? He told the ocean. We were just at the ocean, and man, that's a lot of water. 70% of the earth holds water as, as water, but God measured it just to the right drop. He took all this calculation in, and then it says, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Even the dust of the earth is important to God. Because guess what? <laughs> That's where you come from, from the dust of the earth. All those ingredients in the ground, the nitrogen, the calcium, the oxygen, all that stuff. That's what man is made out of. We're made out of the dust of the earth. He calculated the dust of the earth. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So this old heaven and this old earth is going to be destroyed. And I'm going, why, Lord? But then I'm glad you ask me as well. How, when, where, why? And I want you to turn your attention to 2 Peter chapter 3. And I do believe our technicians have it geared up, do we? 2 Peter chapter 3. We there? Okay. We're going to read the first, because uh, this, this is just so important. This, this really explains. I would just highlight the important scriptures that I think, but I think you really need to have a total mindset of this. So let's just follow the words on the screen. This is Peter, the apostle Peter. Remember, he was a fisherman. He was a stinky old fisherman, cussing and all that stuff. Look what it can do to a life. Man, it was Peter, James, and John. They were there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was like Jesus, one of Jesus' special sidekicks. I mean, wow. So I don't know what you think of your life right now. Maybe you think you're insignificant. Mm. Give your life to God and watch out what he can do. He can take a stinky old fisherman and cause him to write this. Beloved, I write, I now write to you this second epistle and both of which I stir up your pure mind by way of reminder. 
that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. You know, there was a news flash not too long ago, and they said they were mocking it. It was a secular news station, and I'm not going to mention which one. I don't even watch them. But they said, oh, the Christians are getting nervous. The nuclear war is coming. They think their Jesus is coming. Scoffers will come in the last days, it says right here, walking according to their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers, the prophets, and all fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget. That by the word of God, the heavens, whoop, there's another reference to heavens. We are down to 489 now, I think. The heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Remember the flood way back in Genesis? Isn't it amazing? Genesis Chapter 1 and 2, man, everything is all hunky-dory. Chapter 3, the devil comes on the scene. And by chapter 6, God's got to wipe out all the people. He's got to send a flood. Wow. By which there was a flood of water. Verse 7 of 2 Peter chapter 3. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, the heaven and the earth, the one we live in, the heavens where the stars, the moon, and all that. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire. Huh? For fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God did it before. He did the flood. Can we learn from history? Hello. Wow. Then it goes on to verse 8, and then, then it gets really good. This is what I really, really want you to hear. Verse 8, but beloved, do not forget one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago. So according to this, that's like two days ago. He told us, hmm, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. God says, I'll do it, and he won't change not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, my friends, not willing that any should perish. God so loved the world that he don't want nobody to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And here's the real clinchers here, verses 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, this is at the culmination of all time, my friends. This is, this is when the people, Satan's been cast into the lake of fire and the people that aren't saved cast into the lake of fire. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief and night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The elements, the sky, the stars, the clouds, they're going to melt with fervent heat. Most people think it's nuclear bombs. Guess what? think so how are you going to wipe out the entire universe that's billions and stars and all of that in hebrew there's a real interesting passage chapter one verse two it's talking about god being jesus being the express image of god but in chapter uh, one verse two of hebrews it says 
And Jesus holds it all, holds everything together by the word of his power. Not by the power of his word, but by the word of his power. He's holding every nuclear, just every little atom. Between me and you, there's zillions of atoms. All he has to do is just let go, and they're going to be their own atomic bomb. Fervent heat, but both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and goodness, looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved? Man, they look so beautiful, but they're going to be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we... According to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Do we have Revelation chapter 21 up there? Revelation chapter 21. My friends, it's a culmination of time and we that are saved, God's going to have us tucked away. He's going to destroy it all. But here's the good news. Revelation chapter 21. This is the heaven, man, that I'm talking about. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down out of heaven from God. Whew, come down out of heaven from God. From the heaven of heavens, huh? Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He's prepared this place. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And in my father's house are many mansions. This is it, my friends. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true. And then if you jump over to Revelation chapter 22, let's just look at the first couple verses. And he showed me a pure river of life, water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. My friends, it's going to be paradise restored. Paradise restored, just like it was in Genesis 1 and 2. When you're reading through your Bible, do you ever wish you were with Adam and Eve during that time? You know, you'd go over there to the fruit tree and pull down a banana about that long. Not a single worm, not a brown spot on it. Perfect peeling. I imagine you could probably eat the peel. You know, perfect. Genesis 1 and 2. If you need some encouragement, fast forward to Revelation 21 and 22. Because the way it began is the way it's going to end. And here's the good news that God says that he's going to dwell with his people. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
We sing and say so many times here in the church the Emmanuel, God with us, when the baby Jesus came. But guess what? That's only just a little foretaste of what's really going to come. So in closing, just try to wrap your heads around this. Genesis 1 and 2, perfect heaven and earth, things going good. We've got a bright future coming. I don't know about you. I try not to stay away from the news. I, 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 you know, is it even true? Is it fake news? I, 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 it just runs me down, makes me nauseated, makes me cause me anxiety, and I, I, I just don't even want to do anything. But God, according to the end of the Bible, chapter 21 and chapter 2, he's got a new heaven and a new earth. And he's been working on this mansion for a long, long time. So I want to encourage anybody here that doesn't know this Jesus that's building that temple. Would you like to get to know him? Maybe just come forward and we can invite him into your life. You may be one of those people that say, nah, I'm not going to take anything free. I don't deserve no free gift because it's a free gift from God. So I got to thinking about this this morning. Okay, you don't like free gifts. You feel like you have to earn your way or something like that, which ain't the way you get saved. But if you want to feel like that, then why don't you exchange his life and you give him your life? How do we like that, huh? If you're one of those kind of people who feel like you got to give back, then you give him your life and let him be in your life. So I just want to encourage anybody that's never met the Lord Jesus, knowing that there is a judgment coming, that we just read the entire, the culmination of time, it's all going to burn up. It's, this is days to really get serious. And if there's anybody in here that has never made that commitment before, ask Jesus into their heart to be their Lord and Savior, especially a beautiful time of year as this, when Christ came to this earth. Or maybe you're in a place in your life where you've walked away from God and you're, you're just in a tough, tough place. This would be a good time to rededicate your life. You know, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I know I should go forward. That's the Holy Spirit trying to nudge you. Maybe it's time to recommit your life. And then just in winding up, and I'm not going to beg nobody. God never beg. God is not going to drag nobody through heaven. You realize that? we got to all want him. He's, he's not willing that any should perish, but he wants them all to come to repentance. Like me being that dog on that chain, running out of leash. I said, I think it's over. My lifestyle is over. That's what can happen. But I thought of this. Maybe you're sitting here too, and you're just kind of like, eh, that preacher man, he sounds weird, and I heard him misquote things, and man, I don't like his accent, and man, I, I don't know this God stuff. What if suddenly your cell phone started vibrating? Probably should have him turned off right now, but what if you're sitting here and your cell phone started vibrating, and you look down and it says, Jesus? It's a text message from Jesus, and you look around the room, and you're like, hmm. Make sure no the other Christians in the room see you, and you slide your phone open, and it says, what he's saying is true. I want to go home with you. I want to move into your life. What if he was to do that? Is that what it would take? I trust that everybody here is saved. If anybody needs the Lord Jesus, please come forward. I'm going to invite 
the ushers now to come forward. I guess this is how we close the